0: Hey, theater people, Patrick here, asking you to stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special announcement. And also to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast. You can find their episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at lawandorderpodcast.com. This episode is also brought to you by Stage Door Manor. You can find information about their summer theater programs at stagedoormanor.com. It's the ending. Welcome to the Theatre People Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. You guys, at long last, after years of tweets and emails from you fabulous people, we finally made the Derek Klena interview happen... On a recent Wednesday between shows, Derek invited me to his dressing room at the Broadhurst Theater, where we talked about everything from sports, whatever those are, to how he was discovered to carry the musical, Dogfight, Wicked, and of course, Anastasia. He was so funny and charming, I wanted to stay there forever. Okay, here's our conversation.
1: there's nothing left to act up here, I'll say.
0: Um, hi Derek Klena. Hi, thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks. The listeners are going berserk. <laughs> no, I'm happy <laughs> to be here. This is awesome. Thanks. Um, let's chat Anastasia. I've I have a zillion questions about other shows too, but can we start with Anastasia? Yeah, of course. So how did you get the job?
2: Um, I you know, it, it was kind of a long process. When it when it, when they announced that they were gonna be doing a show Uh, making this a musical uh, a few years back I was I was stoked I mean obviously I had my eye on it for a long time and I was I was just itching at the opportunity to get to audition for it and I actually auditioned for it a few different times Um, you know because over the process of developing a show they have many workshops and readings and things so I auditioned for two previous workshops and forever you know you know for whatever reason there is there's just so many so many logistics that go into casting a show that like this the previous two opportunities didn't work out and then I came back in a third time third time's a charm um for the production in Hartford and read with
0: Christy Altamar who plays lovely Anya and uh yeah. It, I mean, it's just so crazy like, you know, it doesn't take anybody long to connect the dots between this and Carrie. Yeah. W- when you get the opportunity to read with somebody that you've worked with before in sort of like a similar, you know, like you guys were in a like a like a love story situation in Carrie as well. Does it make the audition process easier or how does that affect your your audition?
2: Totally. I mean, we we understood each other so well and we had had the opportunity to work with each other. So that's that's a huge obstacle that we didn't really have to worry about. I knew going into the room that Christy and I had a great relationship and we've stayed friends over the years and so to get to share not only that like amazing experience of auditioning for for this show together but to to have that comfort level and that trust in someone and, and um it was cool I mean I mean luckily it all worked out yeah. um but it was the yeah, other there was a definite comfort level there that we were that we were pr- privileged to have that you don't always get the opportunity to have and you know we both felt however it went in the room that you know, we were there for each other and we Mm -hmm. both understood each other and how, and how we act and and behave while in scenes and things. So that was a huge plus.
0: when did you find out that you got the job? Like, was it a call from your agent? Like, how did you find out?
2: I was, yeah, it was actually a couple days after the final call back. I was waiting, waiting, waiting. And then, um, I was with some friends actually grabbing dinner. Um, and I actually, I think, I think it was Katie Rose Clark, uh, Lindsay Mendez, Carol Kane, and Brian Perry. It was like it was like a uh, it was like a <laughs> Wicked reunion, and we were actually all this... Carol Kane. Yeah, well, awesome. she played Madame Morrible when crazy. we did Wicked, yeah. and we've stayed like really good friends. And I, I got to do Kimmy Schmidt, um, yes, of course, a couple of episodes course. of Kimmy Schmidt, which I got to be on set with Carol for one day. So she's just the best and the and the sweetest woman in the world, and obviously just insanely talented and i just imagine all of her friends are like 22 year olds she's incredible she has friends across the board i mean because everybody just wants to be friends with her she's incredible um so yeah we were all grabbing dinner Randomly pre show or something, and I had to step out because I knew the call was coming in soon. Oh, wow. And it was my agents on the phone, and they said, You finally got the offer. And and then you know, I immediately texted Christy, and she had gotten the offer that day too. And we were just what if she hadn't? <laughs> well, because we were, we were constantly in contact like, Have you heard? Have you heard yeah. anything? And you know, when you know some friends are going in for it, I mean, we're all there to support each other, oh, yeah. regardless of what happens. If she got it and I didn't, if I got it, she oh. didn't. I mean we were such good friends and we had other good friends that are going in for it and we were all just there for each other and that's that's the cool thing about this community is like when you have good friends we're all just hoping for success for the next person and to have so many especially this season have so many shows on Broadway and so many um, you know shows doing so well it's 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 an amazing time to be like a Broadway actor and to have so many friends succeeding and it's just it's cool Um, so we were definitely there for each other but we were definitely glad that it bo- worked out for both of us for sure
1: how I still In that crowd of thousands. Then I started to run and to call out her name as the crowd on the road went wild. I reached out with my hand and looked up. And then she smiled up. sun in my eyes she was gone but if I were still ten in that crowd of thousands I'd
0: find her your career you've had such a cool trajectory about like you did two really hot off-Broadway shows and then you got to originate a role on Broadway like in a smaller role and now you're Uh, and wicked of course but now you're originating a major role in a brand new musical it's just like how how is it what does it mean to you to like get to keep progressing to the next step um
2: yeah it's it's been kind of surreal um you always dream of being in a show like this and just to make it to broadway in general i mean you always dream of that moment and wicked was actually the first broadway show that i ever saw um So to to make my Broadway debut in that show was pretty amazing. Um, And then to be an originating Dimitri and Anastasia and this movie that I grew up with, I always hoped it would become a musical. um, But, you know, you just never you never picture it happening when you're the right age or like the right type or like that right point in your life where you you're right for the role. So to have all the stars align, um, which is half the battle, it's just kind of. i'm I'm still in disbelief every day i mean we just had like our our album live streamed yesterday and like to have all this kind of just coming to like this this point it's just it's been
0: incredible um yeah very surreal it's kind of like a weird thing to have noticed but during the curtain call, both you and christy maybe i 'm just projecting, but like you guys both seem to like really take in like your moment of like looking out. Is that something that you notice every day or does it sort of like come and go? How does that work you know we 've been super lucky to
2: have such positive and and responsive audiences throughout this whole thing so we've been we 've been spoiled to have um, these these crazy crowds of people that love the show and love the movie and are, are huge fans of anastasia and um, no matter how you prepare yourself for a, for a curtain call or, I mean, it's just, it's such a overwhelmingly um, gratifying show and, and experience that you're just always in disbelief when you walk (laughs) out on the stage and you, and, and you see this like crowd going nuts for your show and, and for, for you and your cast performances, it's just, it never, it never stops shocking you that that is your life and like that you get to do this every night. And, and bring, I mean, happiness to all these people, and, you know, you just see people in tears, and, and you're just making people's trips and lives, and it's, it's just a crazy, crazy medium to get to live in, but, um, we are, I mean, we, we're super thankful every day for the opportunity that we get, you know, we don't take it for granted, and we, we know that we've been given this great, like, privilege, um, to share this show with people, and, um, it is, it's, it's a, it's a magical moment every night to get to, to walk out on that stage and know that you just
0: perform the show for people seeing it for the first time. It's, it's awesome so weirdly I have a friend who has done a lot of shows with Darko like around the country. So I've gotten to see a lot of Darko's work, mostly his Shakespeare stuff. And you know, obviously he's a gentleman's guide. So he's not, this is, he's not new to the Broadway musical, but I, I know him mostly for like Shakespeare. So I'm wondering if you want to talk a little bit about the rehearsal process and if it was different than other things that you've done because of Darko or just because of Darko's, I don't know, a little bit more like Shakespearean background.
2: Yeah. He's such a visual person. Um, that was something that i personally worked really well with uh, i i admire everything that he does that like the the mood that he sets in the room he puts sets everyone at ease he's such like a a father figure of the show i mean he he really takes everybody you know under his wing and and he is the leader he's the leader he's the warmest he, he's always looking out for you it's like he has a sixth sense he gets like whenever you're having like second thoughts or you're thinking about something he always knows he always knows that something's on your mind and he knows exactly what it is and nothing nothing gets by him but in the best way and he's just i can't say enough but um he has such this visual this this vision that he that he wants to portray on stage and and he's very specific about you know how how each scene should look and how the blocking should be so for me to get that framework and know that if I, you know, in learning the scenes and in feeling out the character, and learning the show, if, if we had this basic framework that he wanted to see in the scenes, and for me that that freed up the emotional aspect. I knew if I if I hit my physical marks and then filled in the rest with the emotional, um, you know, flow of the scene and all of that, that I was going to be giving him and the creative team what they had envisioned. So to have that confidence and and um he just knew exactly what he wanted so for us to be able to deliver that we just knew exactly what to give um, which was great and, and he was always great about reassuring us that you know this this is all working you know this is right fine tuning that and um, it was just a kind of an incredible experience I mean I also get to be in the room with you know, um, Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Aaron. So
0: I was going to ask you about that next because you know, Aaron's and Flaherty. Like, I don't know if you, grew, I don't know how old you are, but I don't know if you grew up. Ragtime's but, my favorite thing ever. Yeah. yeah. So like once on this island, ragtime. Like, and there is the process. Like, do they work with you to sort of write the music that suits you the best? Um, yeah. Actually, because playing Dimitri,
2: he didn't have a lot of music, obviously, in the, in the film. Right. So most right. of my characters, you know, vocal. Uh, singing voice has been created in the show. I mean, they've... A lot of the music is new for him, so our first week in Hartford, he actually, I actually had a different song called, um, when she walks in, it was, it was like my first big song that happened in use pops palace when we were auditioning women to try to find the Anastasia. Um, and I had this song about how like when this girl walks in, we're just going to know it and how like the violins are going to start to play and everything's just going to fall into place. And like, I learned the song, we had the big read through at the end of the week, um, in Hartford. It went really well, and they're like, and you sound fantastic singing the song. Okay, we're scrapping that song, and here's a new one. <laughs> so, you know, that's just the nature of the beast. And and, and now we have this song, My Petersburg, that I'm Something super stoked about.
1: That's where I learned my stuff In some rough company There's the boy growing up Who was me, all I've been, all I'll be See what's ahead Nothing here to hold me No one that I owe Funny how a boy can grow Funny how a city Tells you when it's time to go down to
2: it's, it's crazy getting to create a role Because, yeah, they do write this music with no particular person in mind, but then once they hear it on you and and see you performing it, they definitely do fine-tune it and tweak it to match each one of our specific personalities and in the way our voices are, um, you know, key-wise and all of that. So to yeah. get to set that and to set that in the recording and for future productions of the show is a huge privilege and honor. It's just crazy that... Now, when people go to listen to the show, that it's our voices that
0: they're going to be hearing, which is scary actually to think about it at this point. But, um,
2: but it's it's awesome.
0: One thing that you and I have in common is that we both loved A Christmas Story. Yes, I loved it. So much.
2: Obviously, yeah. yeah. Well, I
0: mean, uh, well, for so I wanted reasons. Exactly. Yeah. For so many reasons. I wanted to ask you about John Bolton, yeah. because he's your scene partner in so much of this, and he's so wonderful. Like, what a wonderful actor. And he's so seasoned. He's been around. He's been doing it for so long. Do you learn from him, or do you learn from each other? Or, like, how is it to, like, collaborate with him? Uh, he's a genius. Yeah. And uh,
2: vocally, physically, um, as, as a person, he has this warmth about him that I think... In this show was so successful, and in A Christmas Story was so successful, is that he could be the crazy dad in A Christmas Story, and it have this super likable quality, and you can't help but love him. In our show, you know, we're these scheming con men that you know are doing some pretty messed up things, but you can't help. And you know, we both try to come off as like these likable guys, but. He just has a, and and I also I also always joke around with him. Is like my girlfriend sees the show. Of course, she supports me, but she's like John's my favorite. I'm sorry. (laughs) She's like John. John's my favorite person on the earth. And just and I was like, all right, all right, John. You know, Lisa saw the show again and said you were her favorite. And he's like, oh, okay. But um, he really is. He's just the best guy. And I learn every day something from him. I mean, just his vocal inflection too. To the the range that he has and and his physicality. He's just, uh, yeah,
0: he's incredible. And now a few words from our sponsors. It's finally officially summer, and the best part of summer is camp. But for real theater geeks, there's only one camp to go to where surprise visits from Broadway stars, Hamilton sing-alongs, and dance-offs are as normal as bunk beds and sunscreen. And that's Stage Door Manor. You guys have heard me talking about Stage Door for the past few months, but it's time for curtains up on another summer of unbelievable performances. The inspiration for Todd Graff's movie Camp and Mickey Rapkin's book Theater Geek, Stage Door is the performing arts training center for kids ages 10 to 18 in upstate New York that puts on an unbelievable 14 shows during each of its three-week sessions. I can't wait to tell you some of the shows they're putting on for this summer. Past Stage Door premieres include original stage versions of Rent, Avenue Q, Andrew Lippa's The Wild Party, and Woman in White. In addition to those shows, there are more than 100 classes at beginning and advanced levels, everything from playwriting to stage combat. There are no auditions for admissions. They accept all levels of experience and talent and find roles for students in shows where everyone can have his or her moment in the spotlight. To find out more about Stage Door, go to StageDoorManner.com. You guys, today's episode is also being sponsored by the podcast These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast. It's produced and hosted by Kevin Flynn and my favorite podcaster of all time, Rebecca Lavoie, who are half of the team behind the great podcast Crime Writers On. These Are Their Stories is hilarious. Kevin and Rebecca and a special guest watch an episode, usually of SVU, but sometimes another one of the franchise, and then, using clips from the show, they chat about it. The conversation is always hilarious and sometimes insightful. You don't have to have seen the episodes or even care about Law & Order to love this podcast. You know how I know? Because I was once a special guest on the podcast, and the only Law & Order episode I'd ever seen was the one I watched for that episode. Well, that and the bonkers one with Kathy Griffin and Sutton Foster, but that's another story for another time. Their special guest this week is my true crime-obsessed co-host, Jillian Pensavalli, and it's out-of-control funny. So go subscribe to These Are Their Stories, the Law & Order podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now back to the show. Can we go back a little bit? Yeah. So I read that you used to do these this thing called sports. Yeah, something I, I, like that. I looked it up. I don't know. Throwing balls and stuff. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I don't get it. But I, you, so <laughs> eventually you had to, like, make the decision. You had to sort of choose between the sports Derek and the drama Derek. Yeah. How did you make Because you were doing really well, right? Like, you were playing sports in college
2: yeah um i yeah it was kind of a late decision. I definitely had like a high school musical lifestyle and in, in high school um always pursued uh playing sports I played football wrestled in high school, but baseball was kind of always my thing. I grew up doing a lot of like regional theater and dinner theater through high school and doing both and then I decided after my i didn't really get recruited in high school for baseball, so I decided that I was going to audition for theater and I wanted to pursue that in college um So I ended up auditioning for UCLA, got into UCLA for theater, um, had a really good, our team won like the championship that year um, at our high school. And I was the pitcher and our, one of our coaches at at my high school knew the coach at UCLA and reached out and said like, our, our is has already gotten into the school, but he's interested in possibly playing like, what is, how does that work walk on wise? And, and the coach at UCLA was like, yeah, you know, we have tryouts, we'd like to see him pitch like come out and try out for us and and we'll see what we could do so i went out through a bullpen and sure enough they were like we'd like to keep you on the team and 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 you know try it out this year and and possibly keep you on as like a red shirt and um
0: these are these are words that are like yeah. re-
2: reserve <laughs> basically is like a zero year like a developing year. So so uh-huh. they had so many pitchers at the time that it was going like to be like a swing like, yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't going to play that year but I, they were going to like develop me and you know possibly play in the future. So I stayed on. I ended up switching out of theater, stayed on the baseball team that year and worked out with the team the whole year and and um and then at the end of the year just decided that there was other things that I wanted to pursue, and obviously, you know, theater was always a huge passion of mine in and, and singing, so I decided not to play baseball anymore, wow. and I ended up doing a competition in LA um, called LA's Next Great Stage Star um, that I, I got the opportunity to get an agent out of that and get um, an audition at a, a regional theater in the area, Cabrillo Musical Theater, and I ended up doing a, a few shows there, and then did a show, uh, just regional theater in the area through college. And I, should I give the whole story? I mean, I mean if you don't mind, it it's so interesting. It's, it's kind of, cr- it's crazy. And I, I've told the story a lot just cause it's, it's, I owe these people a lot, um, to, to how I, to how I got here. But, um, so part of the winnings of that competition was that if you made the top five, you got to do your own cabaret performance at, at the venue. So I put together my show and at the time, um, Catch Me If You Can was doing their out of town at Seattle, uh-huh. um, so, so I saw Aaron Tveit singing this song on YouTube. Um, his big eleven o'clock number, Goodbye, and I was like, That's,
0: "It's my favorite show of all time."
2: Oh, it's so good, and Aaron's incredible. Um, so I heard this song on YouTube, and I was like, "I gotta sing that. I gotta sing that in my recital, or not my recital, my cabaret." And, and my accompanist was like, "Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out," because obviously the sheet music wasn't out yet. So he was able to figure it out, and um, so I performed the song in my cabaret, and the cabaret ended up getting reviewed by Broadway World, um, where they ended up mentioning that I sang Goodbye, written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. And, 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 um, so Mark got a Google alert that I had sang the song, obviously knowing that the music wasn't out yet, so he was thinking, <laughs> how did this kid get to, get to sing this song? We're still doing our out-of-town so then he Facebook messaged me and was like, so I heard you sing the song, did you sing it good? And I was
0: like... Did you die when you got a Facebook message from him?
2: Yeah, I was kind of in disbelief and and, and I, I, I like looked it up I was like, who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And I looked it up and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> um, you know, of course, it's Mark Shaman. Yeah. Um, and I wrote back and I was like, I, I, th- I think so? Like, I... I yeah, I, I didn't know what to say, and then he's like, "Well, if you do sing it again, send us a recording because we're going to be looking for Aaron's, you know, standby." What on earth? When we go to New York, and I was yeah, so I wasn't. I ended up singing the song or getting asked to sing the song at another benefit concert in Anaheim a few months later, a couple months later, and and they were able to get the sheet music from Mark, and but Mark was like, "Before he sings it, we want him to send a recording." Um I just thought of it as, like, a sign-off, like, just uh-huh. to make sure that this song is it's going to be out in the world. We want to make sure that this kid can it's, sing it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay. I went to a friend's studio where it did, a, like, a good recording of it and sent him it. And it, Mark was like, this sounds great. Um, I'm going to forward this to our casting director, Justin Huff, at Telsey. And, um, you know, we'd love to have you to come out to New York for final callbacks for our show. What? And, <laughs> for uh, you know, to cover Aaron. And I was kind of like, this is... Not happening. I was my sophomore year of, of college, and and so yeah, Justin Huff reached out to me. I I flew out. It did a dance call, did a work session. I went in a couple times. Uh, the final call day, um, and, and you know, Telsey said I was a little green for the project then. You know, it wasn't going to work out for this project, but they had a few others or a couple other things in mind that they wanted to bring me in for. One of which was Carrie. Um, oh my God. So yeah, it, it, and so I auditioned I sent in a tape actually from LA for the last lab of Carrie and then they wanted me to fly out for callbacks for that. Um and do they pay for that or do you pay for it? No, I, I paid for it. I was like took a leap of faith and was like, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. If I'm if I'm gonna get a callback, I'm gonna go in and give them my all. I ended up being out here for like a week, went in three or four times for Carrie and booked the, the, the workshop oh my with Christy. Um and flew out for two weeks during my, ju- my, during my sophomore year. At the end of the two weeks, flew back to L.A., did my finals at UCLA, and then found out about a few weeks later that I got the offer for the off-Broadway production.
0: I remember reading in your bio, I think, at, at, for the show that you left school to do it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I left after my, junior, uh, my first quarter
2: of my junior year. So I was about two and a half years into school. Yeah. Did you ever go
0: back? Or am I looking at a college dropout?
2: Uh, you are looking at a college <laughs> dropout. Though my mom reminds me constantly. She's like, are you going to take classes? And I'm like,
0: yeah, yeah. Mom, I'll I'm doing you. fine, Mom. I just paid off your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: no, not even close. But we can dream. Um,
0: that's crazy. Did you know about crazy. Carrie when you were auditioning for it? Like, did you know the legend of it? No. I mean, I watched the movie. And like,
2: um, you know, my, my my singing coach in L.A. was like, oh, this is a big deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was like a huge, like, epic flop in yeah. the 80s and this is going to be this is me exciting and i was like oh okay yeah i guess um so i sent it in naively and and uh, flew out and it all just kind of happened and even when i came out to do carry i had no intention of really staying in town i was wow. kind of just like i'm gonna go out for a few months and have this opportunity and we'll see how it goes and then the auditions for Dogfight came at the very end of the carry run You know, I went in for dogfight for like a few weeks, went in multiple, multiple callbacks. And
0: just so people know, because I don't know that everybody knows, about. we've had Lindsay on the show like 800 times and it's all I can ever talk to her about. But it's like Pesach and Paul, Joe Mantello, Lindsay Mendez. What, what a team of, and like second stage, like what an amazing team of people to get hooked up with. How was that for you to like be around, like, you know, you'd done one really big job and now you're sort of like finding your way in the business. How was it for you to be like around all of these sort of giants? Um I'm lucky that I was naive at that point and I knew who these people
2: were but I I hadn't been around New York long enough to understand I think the uh the 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 endeavor and and the responsibility that I was going to take on doing this show that changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um so I I went in for all these guys and I knew Pascal Paul. I was a huge fan of their music. Um you know, through high school and college. And, and So to get to work with them, I was really excited. And then obviously Joe Mantello, I was like, this is kind of a dream team. Um, and then I actually got cast first, before Lindsay. And got to li- I got to read with Lindsay in her final callbacks, which is probably the most educational experience I've ever had.
0: How is Lindsay in an audition room?
2: I mean, it's all kind of a blur because uh-huh. I was just trying not to, like, mess people's audition <laughs> up. I mean, it's like, it's a great privilege, but also, like, terrifying to get to read with people, and
0: did you and, know about Lindsay Mendez? I mean, yes. Yeah, you weren't
2: like I a knew. young gay man, so you didn't you you didn't have to. But no, but I had I had seen um I'd seen 35 millimeter that God. that she did with Ryan Scott Oliver, and I knew Lindsay Lindsay's voice was nuts. But like I didn't know Lindsay at that point. Um, but I you know I knew who she was. Um, so to get to sit in with like for auditions and have that experience of reading with her, I mean she's just killer, and obviously she takes the room. Um, by storm and and actually, like when when we both found out we were going to be doing that, we we met for dinner and she was doing Godspell at the time and um, I met her I think like pre show or post show and we just like got dinner and was like, hey, who are you? Uh, I'm Derek, you know I'm Lindsay and like we're gonna be working together, we're gonna be doing this like intense show and obviously we're gonna have to like have a lot of trust and and you know little did we know what. How special the show would be, and 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 how how many friends and and how many experiences we get to have together through that. Um, yeah, she's still one of my my best friends, and we now have a hashtag that <laughs> we've made a show out of.
0: I've <laughs> seen your show, but what is the
2: hashtag? <laughs> it's a hashtag Clendez. I mean, it kind of <laughs> love it, it. Kind of it kind of just <laughs> happened after Dogfight <laughs> and and Wicked and and. Um, and so we're like, yeah, that's going to be the name of
0: our concert. That's awesome. Um, I, I know I'm going to get kicked out any second. So can no, we talk weird. about Wicked? Yeah, yeah, of course. So you both did Wicked for the 10th anniversary. Yeah. How did that happen?
2: Um, it, it was, well, it, it kind of, I think it happened. It was mostly Lindsay, because she had worked with Stephen Schwartz, obviously, through Godspell. And then, um, you know, Joe Mantello directed Wicked, and Brian Perry, um, who was our musical director for Dogfight, at musical directed wicked and worked on the tour and they worked on the Broadway production. So there was a lot of wicked in the house at Dogfight. And I think at rehearsal, Lindsay had joked about like, Oh yeah. Like after this, we'll go do wicked or or, it got brought up somehow. And then Joe was like, wait, really? You guys would, you guys want to do it. And are you serious? Well, I mean, it's not, it's not that simple, (laughs) but that was like the, how like, I think wicked came up, um, randomly. And, um, he's like oh yeah you guys you guys probably do that at some point and then we we're like wait what really and then so Lindsay after or in between one of our shows she sang through the score um, the wicked score with Brian at, at the theater and, and you know obviously she sang the crap out of it she's you know amazing um, and you know they, they like signed off on her doing it and then but, you know, I, I didn't know Steven as well and, and the creative team needed to see me do it. So I actually you know, they gave me the packet of Fierro material. I went in, I had I had a call and like work session with the with the creative group and and you know, luckily it, it all kinda just it worked out like that. But we definitely got the opportunity from doing dog fight dog fight with Joe and, and having that experience of working with him. But I'll never forget like walking down the street and having him Tell us. He was like, Alphaba meet Fiero, Fiero meet Elphaba. And you guys were like, like on a walk together? I wasn't with her at the time, but he had reached out to both of us giving us the news, oh. and it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It didn't feel real, and we still had a few months until we started rehearsal, but, um, not only to get to do Dogfight, which opened up so many doors for us and, and changed, I mean, both of our lives. I mean, she had already been super successful, but for both of us, that was huge, and, um, and then to have you know, Wicked happen, and for us to share that together, it was really special and, and random. But um, you know, we've both had some special people in our life who have who we've been lucky enough to work with, and these crazy things happen. And I, I just keep telling people, like, just seize every opportunity because you never know what's going to lead to what, and it's just like the crazy twists and turns you, your life can have, and. Who's going to know who and who's going to be reviewing what? And it's just, you just never know. And all of these random experiences have, have given me some amazing opportunities. And it's just, I'm
0: in disbelief still. You are amazing. Thank you for giving me this time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming. Congratulations. What, what's happening? You're with this show indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, we'll run as long as
2: people will come and love it. So, <laughs> so we hope to be here for a long time. Um, well, thank yeah. you for having me to your
0: dressing room. I will get out of your hair.
2: No, it's all good. Thank you so much for coming.
0: Okay, bye. Thanks. thanks. Bye. If you could see the way that you look to me. Okay, you guys, special announcement time. As of right now, Theatre People Podcast is the official podcast of BroadwayCon 2018. Now, before I say anything else, I want to ask you this. If you attended BroadwayCon 2016 or BroadwayCon 2017 and you have a particular memory of a special experience, maybe you met a Broadway celebrity or you made a new friend or something you heard at one of the panels really spoke to you, or you're just still blown away by the fact that you got to spend a weekend surrounded by people who are as obsessed with Broadway as you are, if you're one of those people... I want you to record on your phone a 60 second or less voice memo telling me about the thing you remember the most from your time at Broadway Con, and I want to play it on the podcast. So email your voice memos to patrick at theaterpeople.com. And of course, that's theater with an E R P P L dot com. So, what does this partnership between Theater People and Broadway Con mean? It means that you can count on Theater People for exclusive announcements. Bonus episodes with your favorite Broadway stars talking about their experiences at BroadwayCon and theater people as a source of all the information you need to wring every ounce of Broadway bliss out of your experience at BroadwayCon 2018. So for starters, what I can tell you right now is that BroadwayCon tickets are now on sale and we've lowered the prices. Gold passes provide an enhanced BroadwayCon experience and are going fast. Exclusive perks include guaranteed seating for main stage events, three autographs or photographs, an hourly shuttle between BroadwayCon Partner Hotel and the Javits Center, and more, all for $395. Also available are general passes for $195 that give you access for the full weekend and $65 day passes for full access for one day of BroadwayCon. Tickets can sell quickly, guys. And the best way to ensure that you can enjoy BroadwayCon 2018 is to buy your tickets early. Full ticket details can be found at broadwaycon.com slash tickets. So much more to come on that, you guys. Theatre People is a product of Theatre Podcast Productions. To see all the podcasts we make, including our newest podcast, True Crime Obsessed, visit us at TheaterPodcastProductions.com. Today's episode was produced by Mike Jensen and me, and it was edited by Mike. Special thanks to our sponsors. These are their stories, the Law & Order podcast. You can check them out at lawandorderpodcast.com and Stage Door Manor. You can check them out at com. Special thanks also to our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Rosell, Cynthia Wallach, and Ty Williams. Thanks also to Steve Tipton, Eric Ench, Keith Allen Herzog, Ellen Marsh, our new fabulous interns, Max Sadaka and Grace Fromm, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back next week with the fabulous Laura Osnes talking bandstand. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. Don't
1: recognize I'm a diamond in the rough, a dreamer in disguise.